that's really what we do at Catalyst. A guy named John Maxwell started Catalyst about 19 years ago. Uh, for 40 and under was the first event. You had to be 40 years old and under so that he wanted to make sure intentionally that we were investing in the next generation. And then over the last 19 years, it's grown and grown. And we do things with people all over the you know Christian space from Brian Houston to Andy Stanley to Christine Kane. Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and today we're speaking with Tyler Reagan. Tyler is not only the author of a new Waterbrook book called The Life-Giving Leader, but he is president of Catalyst and a certified leadership coach. So Tyler, welcome to Charisma Connection. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad you were able to take a little time off the golf course today. I understand you like to golf. <laughs> I do. I hear you. I, I mean, I might be at the golf course. You don't know that for sure. <laughs> That's like, true. It's be between holes. <laughs> well, okay. So let's start in on the content on this book in just a minute. But um, how about filling us in on you, first of all? Tell us about your leadership journey and what you do with Catalyst for those who aren't familiar with your organization. Sure. So I am. Uh, I've, I'm still a pastor, in my opinion, even though I'm not at a local church right now. I mean, I still go to a local church, but I, I've just, um, I've always loved the church. I felt called to ministry in college, and um, I just believe in in the local church. And that's not just the the physical building, but the the community of believers that gather together to to you know lift up the name of Jesus. And so, um, for about 15 years prior to Catalyst, I was with uh, two of the North Point ministries with Andy Stanley, two of our campuses helped start two of those. And so, um, you know, I've just always been in that creative space and um, got involved with Catalyst as a producer, producing the event while I was still working for the church. Um, And even during that time while I was at the church, I fell in love with leadership, Um, grew up here in the Atlanta area. And um, just leadership's always been something that is fairly natural to me. But more than that, I've just, I love it. I believe in it. I think it matters. Um, what we'll talk about, too, is that I believe as believers, as Christians, we have a responsibility, whether we're in the marketplace, the nonprofit sector, or the church, that we've got to lead at a higher level, that we we represent something bigger than ourselves. And so for me, I've just become a student of watching the importance of how we lead affecting people's faith. It's a big deal. That's really what we do at Catalyst. A guy named John Maxwell started Catalyst about 19 years ago. Uh, for 40 and under was the first event. You had to be 40 years old and under so that he wanted to make sure intentionally that we were investing in the next generation. And then over the last 19 years, it's grown and grown. And we do things with people all over the, you know, Christian space from Brian Houston to Andy Stanley to Christine Kane uh, to Lisa Turker. So it's a fun combination of people we get to hang out with. And, And really the whole heartbeat is to invest in leadership. We want them to uh, make sure that they, they leave our events or our webinars better, ready to lead better on Monday, but also gives us a chance to meet with their Heavenly Father. So um, I love leaders, and I love the local church. And uh, probably the most important thing I say to last, I've been married for 17 years to my wife, uh, Carrie, and then I've got two boys who are 8 and 11. So that, that's a lot, also a lot of the focus and time uh, of my energy. 
I imagine so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see that Andy Stanley did a, a forward to your book, as did Craig Groeschel from Life Church. So those are some two top leaders there who obviously believe in your message. Now, the book is called The Life-Giving Leader, Learning to Lead from Your Truest Self. And there's a lot packed into that title and subtitle. Yeah. What, what to you is a life-giving leader? So really the idea is which way is, is life flowing from you as a leader? And we've all worked for leaders um, who the flow of life was probably not going the right direction. In other words, they were leading at a level that it, it required something from us as the people they were leading. My heartbeat is, is that we can flip that, that flow of life and go, okay, I want to be the kind of leader where I'm not requiring life from the people I lead, but I'm giving it to them. I'm, I'm literally investing in them, pouring in them, praying for them, caring for them, and, uh, you know, that, that, it, that it's flowing the right way. At, at our events, we pray consistently, Lord, would you let life and grace flow from our stage and not be required for our stage? And that means we've got to do a lot of hard work, make sure we're excellent at what we do, but also it's a heartbeat thing. How do we say what we're called to do? What's the heart behind what we're doing? And are we loving on these people? Are we pastoring these pastors? Are we leading these leaders? Or are we requiring something from them because we haven't handled uh, our work well? And so we each have to ask that question of ourselves as leaders. Am I as a leader leading well so that people are receiving life from me? Or am I not leading at a, at a good, in a good position and actually requiring something? Now, again, what happens is there are going to be days that we make mistakes and we mess up and we, we require some grace from our team, but let's let that be the exception to the rule, not the rule, you know, not the, um, and so one of the statements I like to make is that when life flows from us, influence grows because there's so many young leaders that are going, I just want the influence without the work or the, you know, the, the, the sacrifice required. Well, I hate to break it to anybody, but it requires something from us. It requires us uh, looking outside and trying to serve the people around us. So that, that's really where that concept came from. Well, certainly that concept and, and much of the content in this book would be applicable in any leadership setting. It could be a for-profit, yeah. a non-profit, a church, a ministry. Have you seen a significant need for the message in this book in any of those settings? I think so. I think it, it, it doesn't matter. It, they might not have had it said in this way, but let's say you, you, you're the president of a bank and, you know, it's obviously not a faith-based thing, but the way you carry yourself, we, we, need, our, we need our faith integrated into our day-to-day stuff. I mean, what would it look like uh, to the people around you, you know, if you go into your morning meeting and, you you know, you just say, hey, I, this morning I was praying for you guys and, and I'm just praying, you know, John, for your family. I know what's going on there. It just it's, it's almost like it reminds them that they mean more to you than just what they do for you. And that's always been something... I've tried to lead in a way for my team is, yeah, we got a job to do, but at the end of the day, I really care about you as a person and that you're successful and that your faith is growing and that if you don't have faith, you see what it looks like to, to live out of faith day to day. And it should be a light to people, right? It should bring life to them because, you know, at the end of the day for us, Jesus is the life giver. I mean, and so if we're not overflowing that life, then there, there's something blocking the flow. Uh, of life. And I want to, we want to figure out what that is because, you know, I talk about in the book when, when rivers are dammed up or the, there's something keeping them from flowing appropriately, they become swamps and things that grow in swamps aren't necessarily great things. And so we want life to be flowing from us. And, and you'll be amazed how quickly 
when you let life flow from you, all of a sudden there's, there's a little bit more influence and a little bit more influence because people want to be around people who are caring and, and give to them, you know, instead of taking from them. Absolutely. So you talk about learning to lead from your truest self. It sounds like you have to know who God has made you to be before you fully come into your leadership capabilities. Could you tell us more about that approach to leadership? Yeah, I, as I was thinking about this concept of being life-giving leaders, I, I realized that to me, the most life-giving leaders in my life, you know, from my, my history, have been men and women who have been okay with themselves, who, who, have, who have not been in this, this tension of trying to be somebody that they're not. And it's just easier for them to let life flow from it. And so uh, there was a defining moment for me. I had, uh, there's twice in my life that I've had two people who were close to me say that um, my personality is, is, is part of the problem in my leadership. And that was a really nice thing, Chris, for them to say. Very encouraging, very uplifting. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was in a sense because I have a very different wiring than those two individuals that they were having a hard time understanding, you know, how that's a good, like, hey, yeah, you're going to probably struggle with this and that. And I remember in specifically in one of those instances, thinking about Psalm 139, which says that God knit me together in my mother's womb while looking at my story at the breadth of my life. And I remember thinking, if Psalm 139 is true, and God gave me this personality, this uniqueness, but yet it's you know being seen as potentially a personality for floundering and not flourishing, then God made a mistake somewhere along the way. And I just I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that God would give me a unique wiring, a unique personality, a truest self, and it not be connected. To, to the calling of my life, to the leadership opportunities I have. And, and to back it up a little bit further, most people, when they hear the word leadership or leader, they go, oh, maybe that's somebody else. No, John Maxwell defines leadership as influence. And so every one of us have influence with at least one other person. And so leadership is simply how are we stewarding our influence with those people? And, uh, and that's, to me, what's so important about this understanding of who you are because we've all worked for people who are uncomfortable in their own skin, and that makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? It makes us a little bit on edge or on our heels versus be able to lean in. But when you work with leaders who have embraced their God-given uniqueness, now it doesn't mean, Chris, that we're not going to grow. It doesn't mean we're not going to read and get better. But it means that I started a place where I'm going, you know what? I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm not highly detailed, but I'm more... Uh, instinct and improvisation. I'm I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm I'm not as compassionate as a lot of people. Doesn't mean I can't be compassionate, but I'm able to process life through, um, you know, make decisions without emotion connected to it, which we need sometimes, right? So it's really being students of ourselves, and in a sense, becoming proud of that because I just love what Psalm 139 says that He uniquely knit us together while looking at our story. So we can't disconnect those things, you know. Um, so that's really where, like, for me, the most comfortable leaders, the most life-giving in my life have been men and women who have been uniquely themselves. And uh, in a sense, they become proud of that and operate in that. And, and you watch how God just continues to expand uh, their leadership and their influence. Well, can you tell us about some of the core behaviors of life-giving leaders that you address in this book? Yeah, there's, uh, you know... The, Again, there's there's these kind of steps I like to take people through when it comes to figuring out your truest self. Uh, but some of the core behaviors for me, I like to talk about are these the, the four S's uh, that 
core behaviors of life-giving leaders are that they they are servants first. Um, at the end of the day, you know, Chris, I feel like it doesn't matter how far up I go um, in an organization, I'm never given the right, especially as a believer, to not um, serve. But just not. One of the things that you'll know about me, if you're ever at a Catalyst event prior to the event starting, is that I um, – I'm the best pallet wrapper on our team. In other words, we have to move pallets all over the place, and it's a big deal for me. I want the team to know, especially new team members even, I teach them how to wrap pallets. Because as the president of an organization, guess what? I've earned the right not to wrap pallets. I don't have to wrap pallets. But as, as a believer and as a leader that honestly embraces the idea that there's never going to be a point in time that I'm not called to serve the people around me. I don't care what position I'm in. I want to be in there with the team wrapping pallets. You know, because that's one of those things I don't have to do, but I do because it, it makes I want them to see what it means to serve. The serving is one, a call to surrender. We're called to surrender to something bigger than ourselves, which is, you know, a kingdom perspective and what's going on. Um, and then a call to sacrifice. What does it mean for us? Like, we all know this. To be a good friend, it requires sacrifice. But things of value require sacrifice. Somebody asked me recently, why don't more people become life-giving leaders? And I said, because it's hard work. It's a long game. It takes understanding that, you know, there's not a quick formula to just be, oh, I did this thing, therefore people love me. No, I've got to be in their lives. I've got to know about them. I've got to care for them. And a lot of that requires sacrifice. It requires time, hours, you know, money sometimes. It requires dealing with conflict. Nobody loves that, you know, and if you do, that's weird. So, like, um, it, it, there's just it's hard. Things of value require sacrifice. And then the last one is, and this is kind of this is the pastor and me trying to make them all start with S. But uh, it, it's a call to sweat, a call to work hard. You know, one of the things about the next generation, millennial generation, they keep getting told, you know, that they're they're entitled. There's this stereotype over millennials. Well, the best way to break a stereotype over your generation, whether it's you or not is to go two miles the other direction. So for me, one of the greatest things this generation could do is become one of the hardest working generations there ever has been. That'll break that stereotype of being entitled when you choose to work hard. So, you know, a call to sweat, a call to surrender, a call to sacrifice, and a call to serve. Those qualities, to me, make up core behaviors of, of life-giving leaders. Excellent. And if you take those things into an organization you're going to change that organization, aren't you? For sure, absolutely. Have you seen some examples of that? Yeah, I mean, I um, the the actual Chris, the original title of this was uh, uh, the color of your leadership, painting who you are into how you lead, and that ended up becoming a chapter because the picture was that you know when a great leader walks in a room, it just changes the environment. Like you just want, I don't know if you've ever been this way, but I, I've been in rooms with, uh, when, when I was in seminary, I got discipled by a guy named Robert Coleman, who wrote the master plan of evangelism, just a, you know, a legend in the faith space. And yes. every time I was with that guy, I felt like I was with Jesus. Like, it's almost like mm-hmm. he rubbed off on me. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in those spaces, Chris, mm-hmm. where you, you just feel like I got better because I was in that space with that person? Well, that's what great leaders do. They just change a gray, neutral, black and white space. They bring color and vibrancy and life to an organization. But it has to be coming from a place of overflow, a place where they have life, that they have, you know, joy. They have those things that we look for in in life-giving people. So it changes environment. I think one of the greatest things 
that can happen in this is it builds amazing teams. When, when you build life-giving leaders, they create amazing teams. They choose trust versus suspicion. They choose to be each other's advocates. Um, they, they choose to fight for each other in the right ways, um, and they choose to care for each other. So, yeah, I think within organizations, as a hiring manager, if somebody walks into and I bring them on a team and they're life-giving, are you kidding me? That's what I'm talking about. That creates culture that people want to stay in, you know? What we both, I mean, I think the easier thing is to go the counter. When you've got a boss or an organization that sucks the life out of you, it takes life from you, man, who wants to stay in that? Nobody does, right? So it's really trying to picture that. And I I think this is one of those unique things. If you were to ask somebody, hey, think through uh, a leader who's had, you know, uh, authority over you or position over you who, who took something from you, took life and grace because they led at a poor level. That's pretty easy to think about. Sometimes it's harder to think about who are those leaders who have poured life in me because they're, I wouldn't say they're few and far between, but I just think sometimes it's easier to think on the opposite side of that. Mm-hmm. Well, many people talk about the importance of loyalty, but you don't want to be loyal in certain situations with certain yeah. leaders, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I again, working with Andy Stanley for over a decade, he used to say that public loyalty leads to private leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what is it? But it, it requires me having leverage with my leaders, but that means I've got to care for them. Whether it's above me, below me, or beside me, I've got to, I've got to be life-giving in all three of those directions. Well, you mentioned that you're a pastor, and even if you're not, um, you're, you're immersed in the scripture, I can see. So what scripture yeah. has best informed your leadership? Are there one or two that stand out? You know, and it, it, it is really the basis for this, and even our theme for Catalyst this year is um, John 10.10, 10, that we make uh, have life and have it to the fullest. And, you know, I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and, and one of the things that um, here in Atlanta, so, you know, pretty um, conservative space, and I remember thinking I knew a lot of people my age that were that would go to church, but it just didn't make a difference. And that's not uh, that's not a denom- denominational thing. I think it's just a, a reality thing. And but for me, what changed is when I started understanding that this this Christian thing was not just a worldview to limit me when the things I can do, it actually was the opposite of that. It brings ridiculous amounts of freedom and life and flourishing and abundance. And um, I just, that's the thing that changed for me was going, gosh, joy, you know, life, those things separate uh, men and women that have faith uh, sometimes from those who don't. And, and for me, uh, that's just become the life message. That verse and that passage um, not only drives my life, but it drives my leadership because I want to create organizations. I want to create churches filled with men and women, students who are full of life because I don't think there's a more attractive quality uh, for people outside the church to see, then, wow, why, why do they love so well? Why do they care so much? Why are they the ones first when the crisis strikes? Or why are they always here even to celebrate the good times? And I, I for me, so John 10.10 is a, is a big piece of that, um, uh, of really a life verse for me and a foundational scripture for everything I try to do. Well, that's an excellent choice there. And what message, uh, sort of a singular message, would you like to leave with leaders today? Uh, I think it's just simple that how you lead affects people's faith. It doesn't matter which sphere you're in. If you're in the church, yes, because as believers, we represent uh, something bigger than ourselves. We represent God to a lot of people. And so 
if we lead poorly, that's going to reflect poorly on our Heavenly Father. And I, you and I both probably know people, I don't know anybody that's walked away from Jesus because of Jesus, but I know plenty who have walked away because of those of us that represent Jesus. And that, most of the time, is a leadership issue. What they say on Sunday might be amazing, but how they live that out during the week might not match. Well, that's hard for people you know, to work through. And so it's so mission critical for us as believers to make sure that we are living out this message that we, we proclaim and that, and that we say we are in on. And so that, for me, is why this whole thing matters, is that how we lead affects people's faith, and we have to play and understand in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, as we close today, Tyler, would you like to pray for our listeners and for leaders who want to be life-giving? would love to. That'd be great. It'd be an honor. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you just take this message as thought? And um, more than anything, would you just stir in the hearts of the men and women listening to this podcast, would you stir in them that reminder of who they are, of who you made them to be? Because as we grow older, oftentimes we put responsibility and title and these things on top of that person. And we, and we act in a way that, you know, is dependent on circumstance or where we are in life or our jobs or the culture we're part of. Would you help us find that person again? Would you remind us of who you created us to be so that we can live our calling to match that space? And God, at the end of the day, would we be able to lift the name of Jesus by bringing Jesus' life, that hope that Jesus brings to those around us? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for taking a few moments uh, with our listeners to talk about this important topic and your book coming out very soon in September. Yes, thanks for having me. Once again, the book is called The Life-Giving Leader and is available everywhere books are sold. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Join us next time here on the Charisma Podcast Network. Liberty University trains innovators, dreamers, and leaders who want to use what they learn to champion a better tomorrow. At Liberty, a quality education means not only preparing for professional success, but most importantly, impacting the world for Christ. Learn how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus at liberty.edu champions. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.